Hey everybody, welcome to the Linux Cast. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Tyler. And I'm Josh. And I'm Steve. Hey, we got it in the right order. We did it. We perfect. Uh, we're, we're continuously getting better now that we have four people. It will, uh, it will continue to improve. If you're watching the video version of this, you'll notice that the graphics are already getting better. Uh, and we do have solo um, big screen versions of our faces this time. So when someone's talking, I can switch to them if I remember. Uh, the worst thing that ever happens is when I switch to one of those uh, solo sh- uh, scenes and then forget to change it back. <laughs> the, the rest of the scenes just you know, like Josh just sitting there for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> um, anyways, we already did the clap thing. We're not doing claps again. We're not any good at it. <laughs> so like, I don't know if you guys saw that, but there was like a five second delay between me and Steve. Uh, he can't even help it. He's like 10,000 miles away. He's in a whole nother continent. Latency is a biatch. Anyways, this is the Linux cast. We talk about Linuxy things, uh, usually Linuxy things. Uh, Today I hear we're talking about BSD. That's not Linux, but whatever. Um, (laughs) Close enough is what they say. And and then you picture that girl from Jurassic Park's, oh, this is Unix. I know this. (laughs) 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 Uh, 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 Glosek says I should be high priest. (laughs) I think I like that better than Overlord. <laughs> it, it has a friendlier connotation to yeah. it. <laughs> well, it can have a fr- friendly connotation, but also it, it brings, uh, you know, visions of sacrificing animals and. <laughs> All right. Anyways. Oh, well, I, I'm glad. I'm glad you're the kind of high priest that only sacrifices animals. I like that. All right. <laughs> we. <laughs> It's five five seconds and the podcast has already gone off the rails. Are we surprised? Anyway, so this is the podcast. We're going to be talking about many, many things today. So, Tyler, uh, before we do, why don't you tell us what you've been doing on uh, open source and Linux things this week? Well, um, I've switched over to using Wayland and Hyperland and, like, I've switched over, like, you know, some tools. Like, like instead of using Rofi, I'm using Tofi or Tufi, and I don't know how they want you to pronounce it, but not Wofi. Uh, no, no, I'm not using Wofi anymore because Wofi causes it's issues. Tofi. Yeah, there's Tofi, and like then there's Wofi too. Wofi causes issues with like um, it. The animations work properly on your main display, but on every other display, it doesn't work. Why don't you just uh, use Rofi? Rofi works with Wayland. Uh, there's technically there's actually you have to get a Rofi patch for Wayland. Yeah, it, yeah, like there's a fork of Rofi that includes the patch, but there's like mainland or mainline Rofi does not support. Hey, Matt, you're capturing the cursor. Ah, oh, damn it! I'll fix that later. <laughs> really big too. Hey, <laughs> circling Tyler's face. Oh my god, <laughs> it's like that's like Brody's mouse. <laughs> the last time I was watching one of his videos, it was massive. Uh, yeah, but, I'll, I'll, yeah, I need to go fix that. Well, you guys continue. Uh, so you're using Hyperland. Did you choose it for the animations? Um, mainly just like y- y- the animations were a big part of it because they're really not like they are exceptionally nice. But r- really, in all honesty, what what made like what sold me on Hyperland was the documentation. Um, I know in the past, like again, like if you don't know this about Hyperland, like it's a it's a Wayland window manager that is very very much early in development. I'm pretty as far as I know, I talked with the developer and I, I don't think he's even been working on it for like he's he's closing in on a year but he's not there yet um and the wiki 
there, a lot of people have complained about it in the past, like fairly, because there's been issues with it. But he's very quick on fix. Like he takes he takes recommendations and criticisms to heart pretty fast. Uh, I think Brody had a lot of complaints when it came to the wiki when uh, he did a video on Hyperland, and the developer told me that within two weeks, all everything that he had complained about had been fixed on the on the wiki. Um, it's it's really good. It's phenomenal. Um, I, I would agree. He's closing in on nine months. Uh, since okay. okay. Uh, and he's doing it all on his own. And he uh, surpassed what Wayland are doing. There's a lot of patches that fixed a lot of things that Wayland just shrug off and ignore. And, no. And they fall. No, that, that's one of his biggest complaints is like he, he fixes up issues with Wayland and they won't accept his fixes. Yeah. So. And, and, well, they lost his game, basically. Exactly. Well, I mean, his, his documentation for Hyperland does a better job of telling someone how to set up from scratch Wayland, like, on their system. And even for NVIDIA users, it does a better job than any other Wayland compositor I've seen. Like, their, their documentation is phenomenal. Uh, so... Like that's pretty much why I, why I chose to use it, and I'm sticking with it just because the the configuration is, I mean, it's probably as about as simple as you could possibly get with a like a, as many features and stuff that's packed into it. Um, it's not slow either; it's pretty fast, especially if you don't want to use all the fancy animations and stuff. It it's going to be plenty fast for and you. and the best part and the best part of it is you can randomize the animations via scripting, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, you can randomize uh, the animations, and the NVIDIA patch is not by him, because uh, he doesn't own an NVIDIA card. But uh, what he said was, I cannot confirm nor deny if it works. It's up to the user to test and confirm on their own, uh, on their own machine. Uh, but th- the things he's doing uh, via keeping the animations smooth, uh, consistent, uh, without having anything break, and uh, he's got p- upstream patches to uh, to Wayland for Electron apps, uh, specifically Electron apps, because you, as we all know, Electron apps on uh, on Wayland are not so great. So he's got uh, flags and everything to fix all that, and there it's very well documented on his wiki. It's very easy to find, and uh, all in all, he's a brilliant, brilliant brilliant uh, developer. For a 20-year-old, 20 he is doing uh, better than Wayland, which is a uh, corporation, or what you call, what you call it, uh, uh, monetized... Uh, Wayland is com- maintained by freedesktop.org, which pays a team of developers. Yeah. It's primarily sponsored through corporations like uh, Red Hat. Corporations, yeah. And uh, Valve, especially, they're, they're starting to pay people to uh, uh, to work on HDR, on porting HDR to Linux uh, on Wayland, uh, whereas he's doing all the work on his own uh, without anything, uh, asking for anything. So... Yeah. Uh, when, when he told me that he was 20 years, I mean, he's five years younger than, than I am. He's done way more, like way more. Cause Hyperland also isn't where he started with trying to make a window manager. He started with Hyper, which is an XORG like implementation of Hyperland. And it, both of them are really good. He, I mean, he's not working anymore on Hyper 
obviously, because you know Hyperland is not it, like you don't just you don't just make a, a window manager like Hyperland and like you're finished. Like Wayland's constantly evolving, and you're going to have to like. You, there's just a lot of work that goes into that, and I'm very impressed with how far he's he's come with the project. It's very nice. All right, Josh, what have you been up to this week? Uh, well, you see, I've been uh, doing my usual tinkering here, and uh, you know, I intentionally intentionally this time blew up another Gen 2 installation uh, just for the sake of trying out the latest and greatest of KDE Plasma 5.28, which I am coming to you now through, uh, because I have installed Open Mandriva's Cooker Edition, which is basically their version of Fedora's Ride, or, you know, enabling the testing repositories on Arch Linux or, you know, running Debian Unstable. Generally not a good idea. <laughs> but He's you know, recording the podcast for this, guys. Uh, yes, I, I am recording the podcast for this today. And, you know, like the most reliable way I can relaunch, launch a window right now is through Emacs. Not true, actually, but I'm just doing it for the fun of it. <laughs> just to piss us Vim users off. Okay, uh, Steve, what have you been up to this week? I've been tinkering with Nextcloud. I have spun up my own instance of uh, Nextcloud on Linode uh, using... Uh, a one of you guy, your guys's, uh, I don't know, maybe you, maybe somebody else's, uh, $100, 60 day, whatever, free thing. Uh, and I'm enjoying it. Uh, I was able to finally, finally move away from Google, uh, and Apple, moving all my private images because back in the day, I was, when I was in my younger days, as they put it, I used to capture screen for uh, my passwords and save them as images. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Sounds like a good oh, idea. Uh, I used to take well, screenshots of emails. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I did say in my younger days, I was not knowledgeable enough. I used and I used to grab screenshots of my secret question, uh, my secret questions and their answers, uh, and put them as pictures on my Google on my Google Photos. Um, oh Lord. <laughs> didn't know better, but uh, now they're on my next cloud instance, and the machine is turned off unless I need it. I turn it back on when I need it, turn it back off. That's what I like. So yeah, that's what I've been uh, tinkering with, and I started something uh, that ended up being something, and uh, it's a good thing. And now we're generating an image called Hype Zero. That was a very... Oh, you had to say it, Josh, didn't you? <laughs> that was a very specific thing that you said there at the end. All right, so I, too, was messing around with NextCloud yesterday. We had we did not collaborate on that until the end. So, uh, <laughs> unlike you, I decided to host it locally in a VM on my computer, which was an entertaining experience, to say the least, because DNS does not like that at all. Um, it turns out, but it, it did end up actually working just fine. I just couldn't could not get like Let's Encrypt to work because of reasons. So, anyways, that was that was really fun. I've also played around a little bit with getting Jellyfin. I still have some work to do on that. Josh is helping me with, with that. And um, oh, and I've been learning. I've been so for year. So first, when I started virtual doing virtual machines, I'd use VirtualBox like everybody starts out with. And uh, that became too mainstream, I guess. So I decided to use Vert Manager. And uh, now I decided yesterday I decided you know I'm going to learn how to create VMs in the terminal. And Using so I learned, how, uh, yeah, I, I learned how to do that. And uh, that was an entertaining experience. So I, I'm on a learning experience. I'm on a learning extravaganza. All right. So 
that's the first section. So let's go ahead and move on to our first link of the week. So we do news. That's what we basically do on the show now. And uh, the first link comes to us from me. So the first news link is that the EA games have now been more successfully ported to uh, the Steam Deck by Valve, not by EA, but by Valve, and they now have a, a significant list. Hold on, sorry, I gotta interject here. I don't think that's a distinction you'll ever have to make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. EA is not helping There's out a, one bit. There, I mean, honestly, it's still a shock to me that EA is actually in the Steam Store because um, they they were like the first with their own store. Why are you showing System 76? I don't, he he ran, showed off his apple, so I got to counter him. Neither of you were on camera. <laughs> that was completely pointless. <laughs> and anyways, there's a significant list of games that come from EA that are now play, uh, marked as playable on the Steam Deck, including Battlefield 4, uh, three different Madden uh, games, Mass Effect, Need for Speed, several Need for Speeds, Plants vs. Zombies, which I'm like... Why would that even? Plants vs. Zo- <laughs> zombies. Like, remember Plants when that was a thing? Uses EA's anti-cheat me- implementation for what reason? Wanna... I don't know, but you know it uses it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I didn't even know that was still a thing. I was like, hey, let's have some Angry Birds on there. Remember Flappy Bird? Uh, any, anyways, so there's a significant amount of EA games that are now marked as playable on the Steam Deck. I wonder. I don't know if any of these games are included in that EA Pass that you can get through Steam. But if, if they are included, that EA Pass maybe now is actually worthwhile. Because a year ago, you could buy that EA Pass and download like Sims, the Sims games and the old Sims cities and stuff like that. And uh, not a one of them would run very well on Linux. So hopefully now this is much better. So that, that is the first news link. Uh, still don't have a Steam Deck. One day, man. One day. I'm waiting for the second one. I'll just, I'll just wait till the second one. <laughs> Um, by the way, guys, hopefully there's a big difference between them. Like, like, hopefully there's a big enough difference that waiting for the second edition, like really is worth it. Like there's a noticeable performance. I've thought about getting, it'll be Ryzen six with the the latest generation, uh, APU using DDR five, using sodium, uh, five using, using probably the same NVMe drive and same wire, same wireless chipset. And then maybe an OLED screen. Maybe I really ho- I really hope with the new edition of the Steam Deck, they switch over to using regular sized NVMe drives that like I don't know the entire freaking consumer market uh, buys. Like, that would be great. Uh, so yeah. the main reason why they are not using twenty two eighties is simply because the Steam Deck the Steam Deck is physically too small. Yes, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. But they could, they could do it. They could. I know they can. Like, come on, they got talented engineers. They can do it. Now, for those of you who are watching the chat, yes, I know every once in a while you can see the cursor. I apologize for that. I can't fix it until afterwards because it was going to reset the transforms, and I'm not doing that because that would this sounds like a horror story waiting to happen. So, um, I'll fix that next week. <laughs> we're still, we're we're professionals. We're professionals. This is why we, this is why you need to hire a dedicated producer for us. That way, yeah, I'll that way I'll, I'll get right on that. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure that'll be cheap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll yes, source yes. everything. Yes, oh lord, yes. <laughs> okay. Tyler, <laughs> your first link of the week. 
Mine is uh, there's a new release of LibreOffice. It's 7.4.5, and it's kind of a big update just because there was a a pretty big bug that was it would cause a crash and uh well it affected i i don't know like they don't actually mention a number of how many users that it actually affected but it is a really large portion because the only reason i know uh that it's definitely a bug is one of my good friends who actually tried out hyperland he's got a nvidia card and so he got all that running and he normally uses LibreOffice and he called me and I was like totally prepared to hear like him having complete issues. Cause we all know getting Wayland and NVIDIA to work together is not simple. So I was totally expecting to hear complaints about that. And the first thing he said is, man, library office is pissing me off. He's got like, he had like three different projects he had to finish and it, it just kept crashing on him. So, uh, this fixes that. So, uh, library office is trying to, you know, let people know, like you should, if you're having issues, please God update. As far as I know, the crash, like this is a big deal. As far as I know, this bug does not affect the enterprise edition of LibreOffice. It only affects the community edition. So if you're a big company or for whatever reason you have the enterprise version, it, this probably is not relevant for you, but you know, still a big deal. Jake, thanks for the super, ch- super chat. He says, uh, put hyper on my laptop. Uh, with Ryzen 5900 and 3380, that's where you you ran into problems. It's uh, NVIDIA. It runs rough. Looking for updates and optimization. It's going to be the NVIDIA card that's causing you problems there, bud. Sadly. Um, But thanks for the super super chat. So, yeah, the odd thing about this whole LibreOffice thing was that depending on where you saw this story, uh, the biggest thing was either this um bug that you're talking about tyler or the fact that they have brand new colorful icons <laughs> yeah, what it yeah. looks like yeah. is that uh this only affects LibreOffice versions 7.4.5 or something or .4. no no seven so if you're running the latest release which is before this was 7.4.4 yeah then this bug affected you but if you're running an older version like you haven't updated in a while like or you're just running like or you know Debian, you're running ubuntu yeah, yeah, Ubuntu, Debian, you know, like you, this probably won't affect you and you won't have any issues, but this is a, this is a crash that affects like almost everyone using rolling release distros. So, but then again, if you're rolling, a, if you're running a rolling release distro, then this news is probably not relevant because you've probably already updated anyway. So, <laughs> like, probably. yeah. I want to know his seg falls for me. <laughs> it's because you can't run LibreOffice 3 Max. Or can you? <laughs> uh, I could. I, I but, you know, why would I want to run LibreOffice through Emacs? <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what you what you are, what you guys are on about. I'm using Microsoft Office on Linux. What is wrong with you? Why are you even a Linux user? Just go back to Windows where you came from. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm using and I'm using Photoshop on Linux. So. You, wait, hold on. How do you do that? Because I wait. Oh yeah, that's uh, right. They, don't they have Photoshop like right in the browser? <laughs> Yes. Wait, oh, Steve, what are we doing? You know, we we had this conversation when it was just Tyler and I. We had one person who constantly decided he was going to stop using Linux and go back to random proprietary pieces of garbage, Windows and Mac OS. Therefore, well, I mean, he went so Mac OS, he bought every Mac product ever there for like two and a half weeks. 
Um, I have to go out and buy every product. We just just moved from that to, well, at least I use it on Linux. (laughs) Well, yeah, we use it. I'm using it on Linux, so I'm not a Windows user. So in other words, what he's saying is it could be worse. (laughs) All right. right. Uh, Josh, you're next. I I think so. All right. What's your first one? I'm listed next in the notes. Okay. But you've also got contact information to do. No, that's after the first. We go round one time. Oh, it's after the first round. Okay. Well, anyways, uh, so Pipewire has seen a new release. You know, just a minor version point that uh, you know gives you some really wonderful things, especially if like you're in a if you if you actually make music using Linux and Pipewire, uh, you can actually use your Bluetooth MIDI MIDI controllers with Pipewire now natively, not ha- not having to go through like the Pulse compa- Pulse or Jack compatibility layers. Uh, it, it works directly. Uh, there's also been some latency improvements with uh, DaVinci Resolve, uh, and then there's some there's some compression optimizations as well for the audio, as well as some uh, AV, AVX code improvements that uh, you know make it so that like it actually works. And then there's like several other things too, but uh, like uh, as usual, uh, whenever I have I have a news article, it's, there's always, it's better just to click the link. <laughs> Why do we even do the podcast? Let's just put the links out in a newsletter. Yeah, um, yep. <laughs> and of course, the, the the newsletter will be put together in an org document, so it can only be opened in Emacs. Well, um, or you know, you can course. just put that org document up on GitLab, and GitLab will render just like a Markdown file. Because just... the developers for GitLab use Emacs. <laughs> of course they do. Care, <laughs> good for them. Uh, <laughs> um, every time there's a pipeware update, it scares me. Because every time <laughs> an update comes through for pipeware, it gets it breaks something. Because it's, I mean, it just it always does. There's there's no time or example where a major pipeware update has come down that hasn't broke something. So. Yeah. Well, you yeah, know, the that? wonderful thing about this Piper release is that unless you're like you're a musician, you don't really have a need to update, which even then, you know, it's in the Arch testing repository as well as uh, Gen 2's unstable branch, which, you know, is the branch that apparently everybody on Gen 2 runs anyway. But, uh, you know, if you're going to be if you're going to be compiling this and using it on yourself, you have to make sure that uh, the blue that the MIDI support in, in the blues uh, daemon is actually disabled as well. Blues being the kernel, the kernel driver for Bluetooth. Steve, you were saying something? Yeah, I was going to say, as we saw today with me, Pipewire just... Yeah. I mean, I've got to change my tune here, because, like, I always had issues with Pipewire, but running Wayland and Pipewire now, and it's working just fine. I mean, granted, I haven't used Pipewire before. That's the thing with Pipewire, is it runs fine. Until it doesn't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I mean, it's. I mean, obviously, we had the same problems with Pipeware or not Pipeware, Pulse Audio. Where yeah, so. Pulse Audio was worse when when distros were making the switch to it. But you know, it was way better than than managing like OSS or Alsa. <laughs> yeah. well, plus, there were a lot fewer yeah, people using not. Linux back then, so finding the books was probably harder. All right, uh, Steve, your first link of the week. My first link. Uh is thanks to you for uh, pointing it out last night, is about Bitwarden users at risk after potential phishing scam discovered. And Bitwarden being my chosen uh, password manager, except I am not one of those dum-dums out there who saves anything online. I save them on my Raspberry Pi offline. But anyway... uh, 
the 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 gist of it is uh, some people uh, release an ad, a Google ad, uh, that which redirects to BitwardenLogin.com instead of the actual web page of uh, Bitwarden, which mimics exactly pixel for pixel the official website uh, of Bitwarden. So on Reddit, for example, there were some users, advanced users, who were supposed to notice the difference by looking at the URL, but uh, the website was such a good clone that they couldn't tell the difference at first glance. Uh, yeah, you know, just use so, get to pull it out of the Hold on the entirety of the website, then spin it up on your own uh, web server, and then you know point to yeah. point to your, the domain that you yeah. purchased to it. It's actually pretty easy to do. Yeah, surprisingly. Well, okay, uh, we, we can we can talk about that, or we can talk about the fact that Google makes their ads so much of a blend in thing where you can't tell the difference between an ad and actual link. If they just made honestly, their ads like flashing colors or something, so you knew it was an advertisement, you'd know not to click on it. Honestly, this is, I, put, I put the blame for this entire thing on Google, actually, because Google yes. should do a better job of actually policing their, their uh, advertisements. Yes. Uh, there is no did. reason why Google allowed this advertisement to actually be purchased and displayed to end users. This, this should have gone through some form of an auditing system prior to that. Yep. Uh, that said, it's just... This is, like, it's not an issue of Bitwardens, like, at all. No. Like, this isn't a Bitwarden problem. And, and the URL is so easy to spot. Like, it says appbitwarden.com. <laughs> like, excuse me? When, when you hover the mouse over the, the ad, it shows appbitwarden.com. It, doesn't that uh, just uh, sound It fishy? does, but Steve, does that work for your mom? Ah, uh, good point. Well, good point. No, yeah, but it point. should work for... It, Google makes you very. It should have worked for the experts. Literally yes. makes Google <laughs> makes you verify so many things when you decide you're going to put ads on their system. There's or if you're going to serve ads on your website or whatever, you have to have verification that you can do all that stuff, right? You have to put if you're if you're going to post ads, you have to put verification on your website through a, a code snippet, right? There's no reason why they can't have something like that, like say, hey, if you want to run an ad, you have to have some kind of verification, right? There has there, there should be some kind of system you know, where they verify who you are uh, and if you're legitimately advertising the thing that you actually own. Now, I'm honestly, sure it's more complicated like, than what I make out to no, be. No, no, here's, here's, here's my beef with Google. My beef with Google is they uh, to, to register for Google Ads on your website to raise a few pennies, uh, they send you on a roller coaster of a verification system, mm -hmm. but they don't do that for for placing ads on their website. What kind of backwards kind of management is that? Well, it, they're, well they're, one pays out money, one gives them money. So yeah, that's really what it is. And Google being a U.S. company, of course, they're going to they're going to need everything that it takes to send you a payment. Which you know, that's not necessarily Google's fault. That's actually the, that's actually the U.S. Uh, financial system. That's uh, it, well, financial and legal system. Yeah, financial like and legal system. Complex. That's that's why they need so much information is because they have to report that to you to the U.S. tax authorities. Yeah. So so uh, the 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 Google ad system is now being used. Uh, for malicious purposes now it's it's one it's of been the... used like that for years actually yeah i was about to say i was like this is not a new thing no. this is just no, it's but, getting but progressively worse it's and google's not doing anything about it. it it has a name this is a this is an issue that's existed since like the dawn of the internet well dawn of ad like 
being able to serve ads on search well, engines. Well, like, uh, not even just ads. You well, know, it used to be that people would just, like, make a website with, like, a similar enough domain name. And, what we did uh, was make it way too easy to get a domain name. Now, anybody and their brother can get whatever domain name they want. And it's not just, like, .com. Like, there was at a point where... It was really hard to get a, a, a domain, a, like a unique domain name, because they were all taken. Now, if you want, like, you know, random.xyz or whatever, I mean, there's a, a whole bunch of top-level domains now that you can come up with, and a lot of them are very, very similar to, you know, the actual domain names. Like, whoever decided that .co and .com should exist side-by-side side is just, I mean, that person should not have had anything to do with the internet whatsoever because they're, way, way, they're way too similar. And now we have domain names like uh, 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 .wakey-wakey, .pundo, .whatever, yeah. all the dots you can imagine. It's a I at one point owned a, owned a triple X domain. Yeah. Oh my just God. because it was $2. Linux.sex is actually available. I'm just putting that out there for if anybody wants to actually go get it. <laughs> so now, so now Don't, do, not, uh, do not ask me how I know. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's much easier to get domain names. So you can just put uh, your name dot your family name and that's your domain name. Well, it's, it's, it's getting easier and easier and cheaper and cheaper. For anyone, anyone with pennies can can pay for a domain name. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think that's the big problem when it comes to domains is they've gotten so cheap now that like if you want to do something malicious, there's not really a barrier to entry anymore. Any twelve year old with an allowance can go on and get a domain name and try to pump out a virus or whatever. Look, look like at for, look at Arco Linux. Just look at Arco Linux. How many how many websites does he have? <laughs> he has tried to pare yeah. it down, but it was at one point like seven. <laughs> uh, his, peak was, his peak was actually thirty-seven different web pages. That doesn't get out of here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it used, Eric. To dedi- it used to be a dedicated web page for every single ISO. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's still Eric. bad. Uh, <laughs> Though, it's still abundance, bad. The abundance That's of websites. I love Eric, know, and I love Arco, but his website is still bad. On, on uh, to site. this day, it's, it's still a terrible user experience trying to find anything on that website, too. Well, and to figure <laughs> out which ISO you're supposed to download is just too many. Um, but whatever. If I weren't, okay. if I weren't, uh, if I weren't an Arco uh, user and experienced with Arco, with Zero Linux starting off as an Arco spin-off, uh, I, w- I wouldn't have found anything on on the website. Yeah, it's just it's just yeah. bad. Um, uh, perfect proof that a good uh, good distro can have a bad website, but not, Arco is not the only one. <laughs> like it's just not Definitely the only not one. Debian Endeavor has Endeavor. a really bad website. Yeah. All right. Um, turns out you can make a good you can make an you can make a distro. Doesn't mean you can make an, a website. All right. Moving on to the contact information. Um, just getting practiced with this, so I'm probably going to screw it up. Just pointing that out. Last week I didn't even know how to spell Steve's just handle. Read it out loud. <laughs> I reading who knows how to do any of that nonsense all right you can find all of our information at the website linuxcast.org which is where you'll find previous episodes all the way back to season one if you want to find them uh along with blog posts that i release weekly so if you want to read some of my you know ponderings you can do so there at the linuxcast.org you can support me on patreon at patreon.com slash linuxcast and subscribe to the channel youtube.com slash linuxcast tyler you, you know what's surprising? Tyler actually remembers how to use YouTube. Like, there have been streams mm-hmm. this week. It's It's been shocking. Yeah. 
Um, (laughs) And actually, like Linux-based streams, it's really weird. Mm -hmm. Like Tyler, are you crazy? He's been replaced by a pod person. Anyways, you can subscribe to Tyler on YouTube (laughs) at YouTube.com/ZanyoG. He also has a Discord server. You can find that link on the contact page of our website. Josh has a a website as well. His he's at tenleyj.com slash stalker where you can find all of his uh contact information. Fantastic URL by the way. It is the best. Uh Steve has many different places you can find him. Probably the primary one that he wants me to pimp is youtube.com slash zero Linux or at zero Linux. That's zero with an X, not a Z. Um I Called it a Z last week because apparently Z and X are exactly the same letter in my head. I don't know why. Uh, he also has a, you know, a website and a distro that he likes to to tinker on from time to time. You might have heard heard of it. It's Serial Linux. You can definitely check it out. Uh, and you can find all of these links if you don't want to actually type them in into the URL bar like a caveman in either the video description, the podcast description, or on the website at linuxcast.org slash contact. Not bad, Matt. Not bad at all. All right. Not bad. You actually did it. Good. Yeah. Um, I, I think helps I should. That just, I reminded you earlier. I should. should <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it helps that some douchebag named Josh didn't actually move the damn thing out of the dock, and move it to the end. Uh, I don't know why he'd possibly want to do that. And, 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 and I want to say right now, just for you. Don't and don't I'll, do that. I will. I will. Will come to Iowa and murder you. And, um, and I, I want to point out also that. Uh, uh, Tyler's last uh, stream, he was sleep streaming. Yes, I was so sleep deprived. Well, that stream, was, okay. that stream was bad. So when he installed Linux from scratch, there was a point where he was streaming and sleeping at the same time. Um, and it was still yes. compiling, probably too. <laughs> it, it I'm was. surprised it, it's not still compiling right now. Okay, uh, <laughs> moving on to my last link, the the Linux Foundation. Um, Always good news when you start off with Linux Foundation uh, has decided that Always they really, scary. they really, really, really want to get in on the metaverse because that just sounds like a fantastic idea. Now, I have been labeled a critic of the metaverse and rightfully so because I'm a critic of the, the metaverse. I think it's the dumbest thing since crypto. Uh, honestly, I think crypto actually has some uses. The metaverse has zero use whatsoever. None whatsoever at least that i've seen right now now i'm not saying vr is useless i've never claimed that vr is useless vr has, is fantastic for gaming i'm sure and will continue to be and get better over time especially if valve ever decides that they're going to come out with a second version of theirs um hello valve a second version maybe sometime before half-life 3 um <laughs> anyway sorry <laughs> um Maybe one that competes with the worst company out there, Facebook. That would be but, great. It would be fun. Something like it's been, it, it's been, what, it's like five years? We need an index, too. It's yeah, it, it, it needs yeah. to happen. Like, I understand no, you all, guys are working. They're a very small company. All so. they have to do, all they have to do for the index for it to be a perfect device, you know, make make the headset a little bit lighter and, you know, make, make the HDMI connector for the headset better because everything else about it is amazingly great. And it can no longer drop the price. It, it can no longer be a thousand dollars. Drop the price. Definitely drop the price. Um, <laughs> yeah, they they have some work to do there. But like I said, they're a very small companies. So the fact that they can only focus on one thing at a time, <laughs> not that surprising. Okay. So, anyways, back to the Linux Foundation. And there, they've decided to to launch the Open Metaverse Foundation. Uh, I don't like. 
they have to be in cahoots with Mozilla on this because it just sounds like something that Mozilla is going to try to do. But anyways, their focus is to try to make sure that the metaverse, which is going to be created whether we like it or not, at least has representation when it comes to free and open source software through the Open Metaverse Foundation. Uh, and there have been many, it says here, many thought-leading organizations and open source communities have joined as founding members to the support the effort to bring this vision to life, including Chainhub Foundation, Cloud Native Computing Foundation, Future Level, Gen, Gen XP, um, something I can't pronounce, um, Hyperledger Foundation. These are all names, and it's, it says not a single one of them anybody has ever heard of. You guys want to know how bad this group is? I tried to go to their uh, website, and Ublock Origin completely blocked it. This <laughs> 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 is bad. <laughs> Let's be honest. Like we're gonna look back at this, and this is gonna be something we clown on for years. Yeah, because like, look, like, th- th- like, let's break down the metaverse and be real about it. The metaverse is exactly the same as Gopher. Like Gopher, it's like it had potential. It's it's dead. It never lived as it should have. Like, sure, it had users, but it mm-hmm. never became mainstream. And the whole idea of it was killed off by better tech. And that's exactly what the metaverse is. Like the metaverse is an idea of taking gaming as a whole and cramming it into one freaking place, which is stupid. Like it, it's fundamentally stupid. You will never have competing companies that make games like game studios or publishers get in bed with like Nintendo is never going to be fine with EA using their, their art, their characters, their IPs. It will never happen. And it's a dumb idea in the first place. Nintendo will sue anybody who uses their IP. I mean, Nintendo sues people for posting let's plays on YouTube, but anyways, uh, the big, the biggest advantage that, you know, like a group like this will actually have, is standardization for VR, which that is actually a bit of a problem right now. And uh, that is, and you know, but it, it, let's talk. Do you actually think they're going to do that? Well, they're not. They might establish like a standard for like uh, how the development works specifically through the Linux kernel and the and, and GPU drivers there. But at, after that, there's probably not going to be too much depending on like uh, how interconnected these companies are with like uh, other. Uh, companies, you know, like Apple, Valve, and uh, Microsoft, because, you know, the, those three companies are also really invested in VR. Valve, Valve, while, you know, they're not shipping a physical product, they're still working on, like, the drivers for the index and everything, too. Mm-hmm. So, well, But what was missed uh, is a news article that is related to that one, where Valve was shipping uh, VR headsets to train uh, military people. Yeah. We're not. We're nobody's claiming that VR doesn't have its uses outside, even outside of gaming. I'm sure that it does. There's there there are enterprise uses. There there's training purposes, but the metaverse, as it's currently instituted and seems like its main thing is, is to make virtual meetings more interesting. That seems to be the way Facebook is is or Meta, excuse me, has decided that they're going to frame it. And uh, it, I mean. The tech just... I mean, the metaverse as built by Mark Zuckerberg is not the metaverse I want. I don't want to... I don't... But that's the problem. I don't want a metaverse. No one wants a metaverse. I don't... Yeah. Has any of you you watched uh, The Gamer with uh, the the guy from 
this is Sparta. Uh, no. Uh, it's exactly what's happening with uh, Metaverse. It's the Metaverse before it became the Metaverse. Uh, it's it's uh, People are avatars inside a well, game. I mean, uh, it's like, okay, the, let's take the Matrix. And let's just be the, be the Matrix. Like, but the thing the thing about the, the whole Metaverse thing is, is that I could see myself changing my mind about it like five years on road, but it would have to have somebody come out with a, a use case that is actually useful. And I haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen anybody postulate anything that could be useful, anything about the so-called Metaverse. Now... Like I said before, that doesn't mean that that has nothing to do with the usefulness of VR. VR is good for gaming. VR is good for training. And once and as the technology continues to be miniaturized so that it's smaller and lighter and cheaper, gaming gaming will be transformed by VR. I think we're all pretty much in I agreement. I think it could have an interesting yeah. use case for like uh, you know like uh, cat cat work. You know, just being able well, to see a more real-life example. Right, right but, yes, but you're like still talking, race. like, everything yeah. that we're talking about here is is advantages or, like, you know, selling points for VR. There is no selling point for, a, like, all right, all right, if you take the idea of a metaverse and actually think about, think about it for a second, it's the dumbest idea ever because for the metaverse to be a thing, all gaming or all vr stuff has to happen in one place because just for an example let's say facebook has a metaverse um valve has a metaverse ea has a metaverse at that point what you're saying is facebook has a game well you see there's and all the others have a solution like it's just games like that's it there's a solution to this it's called activity pub well, yeah, okay. Like they're all going to use point, that. Like you're just talking about programs and games. Like it's the, the metaverse is a term that means absolutely. Well, they're nothing. trying to gamify so, real life interactions by making them virtual reality. So things like you know meetings and market, you know going to the market and shopping and touching and trying out products and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to put all that stuff like real life stuff that you could do in real life. In the virtual sphere, right? <laughs> and like, I don't care how close the technology is going to get. You're, you can't simulate many things that you can only do in real life. And uh, even if you could, what would did, be did the you, purpose of it? Just go do it in real life. Like, Yeah. It's, well, it's, no, 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 no. See, I will argue because there is definitely a purpose. There, oh, sorry, Steve. There is – there is, uh, I keep laughing because – the more we talk about this, the more uh, Demolition Man and the uh, lovemaking scene becomes a reality. Mm-hmm. Because the w- well, I mean, like there is a point for going, like <laughs> for doing all of this virtually and having it where, like, l- let's say you're wheelchair bound, like now you don't have to go out into the city and like you know actually go to shop and do stuff. Like if you if you want to get something, you're looking at buying something, you can sit in a chair and virtually walk around a store. That's just another like benefit of VR though. That's has nothing to do with VR. That, that's with my metaverse. point. Everything that is about the metaverse that's good, we're talking about yeah. VR in general. Like we're not talking about the metaverse. Metaverse is stupid. Like it's a term that means nothing and it will never mean anything. Because it literally, for the metaverse to exist, you have to take IP law, which, like, 
whether you think IP law should be a thing or not doesn't matter. The, it's not going to well, disappear. Well, okay, so the metaverse, the metaverse is Zuckerberg uh, capitalizing on uh, VR. Well, honestly, yes. Facebook Facebook is trying to change their business model, which I don't necessarily blame them for because who's making a Facebook account these days? Uh, Facebook has enough. Yeah. Facebook has hit peak users. Right. So it's well, just like no. it, it, it's nice that you know they're they're investing in VR. It's just that uh, they're they're tying it up a little bit too close close to home there. All they and, had uh, to, that's really the all they had to do was make it good for gaming, make it good for gaming, make it yeah. uh, cheap, you know, and get there before Apple. That, those are the three things you had to well, do. You know, uh, Google well, Cardboard was was a great example that you can make VR cheap. Well, you, yes, you, you have yes. to have. It also has to be good. Okay, like that's <laughs> the thing is like all technology starts off as really expensive, then gets miniaturized and cheaper. That's the way of almost all things. Yeah, right? but. The, the, uh, well, if they made it cheaper, uh, but it still gets expensive. Think about the broken TVs because they had to run into something in the game, and they ended up running into their TVs. Yes, their sixty-five plasma yes. TV or whatever. Now it costs them double, triple the price, if not ten times the price. just as an example, you can't hit it. It's just, I mean, well, you, that's not even the point. I, I gave my, I gave my VR headset, like I've got the Oculus, like Quest Two or whatever. I gave that to like a, one of my buddy's nine year olds, and he was playing with it, got scared, freaked out, and ran into drywall, and the headset busted into the, in the drywall. Mm. The headset still works. So okay, all right. like, so <laughs> things like that happened with the Wii. Okay, and exactly. like so, so, this is not an exclusive VR. People you know, are like uh, they had that little rest strap for a reason on the Wii because you know. Like if you were playing that bowling game, for example, it's like you would sit there chugging right into the TV. It happened to a lot of people, even with the wrist strap, because they have like really small wrists or whatever, and it just flies <laughs> yeah. right off. Um, well, you know the wrist strap. That's why they introduced the Gen Two wrist strap. This was the actual thing that you know had that adjustable strip on it. Yes, I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so okay. So just really quickly, the last point I want to make on this open metaverse foundation thing is those companies that are supporting the the metaverse is like. Could you possibly have found a list of people to to brag about that nobody has ever heard of before? I mean, <laughs> like there's not I a guarantee thing. that they're all just shell companies. Like there's 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 <laughs> nothing. I mean, it would have this would have been a huge announcement whether we liked the metaverse or not if Meta, aka Facebook, had been a part of it. Like if that had been part of the announcement, then you're not fine. You didn't convince me that the metaverse is a real thing, but you would have convinced me that the Open Metaverse Foundation is a real thing. This, I think, they well, just made up a whole bunch of. Random there are foundations. two companies there that I actually recognize. Chainhub is actually the group behind Grubhub. <laughs> As to why they're in the Metaverse, I don't know. But the Open Voice Network, I actually know what they are, and they're the people that have developed the SIP protocol that all your IP phones use. And, the but the those, random that's... things that Josh knows. I'm just... You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Tyler, your last uh, link. Yeah, mine is, uh, so Wine 8 is kind of a big deal. Um, so, like, you'll be able to run more more apps, like Windows apps, and of course, dogs are going crazy upstairs. Um, but, good lord. That's going to show up on the audio recording 100%. Definitely. Um, but anyway, uh, so the biggest change in Wine uh, eight is that you'll be able to have modules and they'll, or the modules will compile into an executable format. So you'll actually be able to like 
you know, have more compatibility. Uh, and like, it's a, it's especially compatibility with stuff, uh, with copy protection, windows, debuggers, and, uh, other apps and games that have frequent issues online. So, um, and also it'll, it'll make it to where like running wine on other Unix operating systems will be more reliable. So like stuff like arm, uh, you'll be able to be able to run like, you know, x86 apps on arm without a you know extra com- compatibility layer on top of it so there's big changes um it's still very much um in the beginning phases so um the next development or during this development phase a lot of the um there's a lot of like direct calls that probably aren't going to work for for some apps but they're going to be fixing it up during this during this development phase so Fingers crossed, Wine's going to like improve a lot of shit for like compatibility and moving so and like, being able to with, move over to all. With this making Wine Wine modules actually portable, uh, rather than you know moving an entire Wine prefix and, and uh, distributing that, uh, there's there's actually some games that are, are actually packaged as Docker containers just for compatibility. Big, uh, probably the most popular one that I know of would be like Magic the Gathering Online. There's an actual Docker container you can actually use to, to run that game because you know setting up Wine is actually a bit of a pain in the ass for that, for that one to, to be honest with you. But uh, you know, like uh, this could set up set up like some games that actually be shipped as rather than Docker containers, but like app images or flat packs. True. Which, uh, that could that's actually a pretty good interesting case. Uh, yeah, and uh, isn't that the way that games are uh, Windows games are bundled for Mac? Basically, uh, as yeah. containers, as con- uh, Windows yeah. con- Wine containers with executable of the game and all the game files, all as a single. Yeah, macOS binaries are basically just like uh, another form of like what an app image is. Yeah, and and uh, I, like for example, uh, mo- the latest Return to Monkey Island, it's downloadable for the Mac, but when you and that's what I love about about macOS. And this Tyler can back me up on this one. You right click. Show package contents, and you can roam free within uh, the container. And when you, I roam free into the uh, return ma- to, ma- uh, to to Monkey Island, I discovered uh, it. It was a uh, Windows game bundled as a macOS container. So uh, saves a lo- saves a lot of development work on porting the game. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. That's what they do with a lot of games on macOS. So what you're trying to say is that gaming on Linux's future is app images. It's, it's let's, let, let's not say that because we don't want to anger uh, our boss. Well, there so goes it, gaming and on Linux. Through Steam, how else would you expect them to be ported? I mean, not let's be honest. Uh, yeah, it's just like, uh, like I think I said it last week. It's just like, you know, the app image works, makes perfect sense for like the people that just want to sell a, bin- a downloadable binary. Yeah, mm-hmm. like what I do, what I do today uh, to play games. Most of my games, I grab them for cheap uh, for, from GOG because all I do is run the installer and the game runs. I have not encountered a single game, uh, save Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Uh, to run on Linux. That's now I understand why they stopped working on Linux ports of their game uh, uh, of the games they uh, they sell because they simply work with Wine on on Linux. I, I haven't encountered a single one. I even run uh, Duke Nukem 
Duke Nukem 3D on Linux just by running the installer, installing it, and ru running the executable. I don't need to do anything special. I don't need to configure the prefix. I don't need to do anything. It just runs. Uh, so uh, that's why now I no longer buy uh, games on uh, Steam as much as I do on GOG because on GOG the, the games are more reliable than the ones on uh, Steam. But be careful, on GOG they have a limited amount of AAA titles. Mostly it's uh, curated uh, old games. So it's fine, old games are fun that, too. That's really the problem with GOG. It literally says old right in the title. Yeah, yeah, good old games. <laughs> but yeah, but but they created uh, Cyberpunk 2077, and they created uh, GOG is CD Project Red, so the creators of mm -hmm. The Witch, uh, The Witcher, and Cyberpunk. Well, in that case, I'm surprised the the website even got launched at all. <laughs> all right, <laughs> Tyler, your last link. Oh no, I, I just oh did you just mine. Did, I'm mine sorry, Josh, morning. you're next. I'm I apologize. Uh, FreeBSD has a. Uh, has begun their uh, reports on for the last quarter of 2022, and uh, one of the things that they said here is that they're still compiling numbers. However, and this I'm going to quote directly here from the article. Uh, Unfortunately, we did not meet our fundraising goal, which reinforced our need to have somebody focus on encouraging organizations to invest in free BSD. Uh, we we will bring somebody on board soon to help with that effort. That's literally what it said, and I don't know who wrote the article, but uh, you know, uh, you can ju you can read the status report. It's it's status report uh, 2022. Uh, it's 2022 10 I don't understand that URL, but whatever. But uh, th this is just like a quarterly report that they push out every now and then. And you know, the fact that FreeBSD is like it's actually the largest free B the BSD based distribution, and uh, it. It's kind of sad to see that they didn't even hit like a fundraising goal, which I think it was only something like two million dollars. Technically, uh, macOS is the largest BSD distribution. MacOS isn't even BSD based. Isn't it based on BSD? It, it, it was is. initialized on BSD. BSD. However, they have since moved away from all the BSD code. Oh, I didn't know that. I just thought it was yeah, based there, on BSD. There, of course, I always there thought is it was no based BSD on license code in macOS anymore. <laughs> but. Okay. uh... It, it's it's actually oh well apparently it's uh, Lorenzo Salvador is the one that wrote the article, but it it's it's sad to see that because you know it it's actually a pretty big project and you know uh, other projects downstream like uh, PFSense and even TrueNAS have a very loyal uh, user base in like uh, the BSD land. What and what's it, the BSD it, that's most popular in servers? It's free BSD. Free BSD. Then why aren't companies paying for this? Yeah. Who knows? Because they don't have to. Yeah, they 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 literally don't have to. Well, they'll be very very surprised you know, when it goes away. Yeah, it it is it is the magic of that MIT license, and uh, there's a reason why there's a reason why we don't like the MIT license as much as we like the GPL. Sean says, "Oh, FreeBSD. I know Matt loves FreeBSD. I don't have anything against BSD or FreeBSD or OpenBSD. I've honestly never tried them. Um, I will say this: that I'm a Linux fanboy, and it's not Linux, so." Oh, uh, the first thing I ever tried was FreeBSD because a, a very old friend of mine back uh, like 15 years ago, he was like, try FreeBSD. Why, why do you want to try Linux? Try FreeBSD. It's good. I installed it. I felt like Alice falling through, down a hole. Well, I was like, 
way back difficult. in the day, uh, you know, back in my day of being a computer user, Intel came out with this wonderful new processor, processor SKU called the Core 2 Architecture. Yeah. Of which FreeBSD had support for it first, before even Linux or Windows did. <laughs> so there was a short time where I actually used FreeBSD. <laughs> It lasted for me. It lasted one day. But, yeah. Well, then you and Josh probably had the same thing in common because I doubt he used it for more than a day too, given his his uh, track record with distros. I'm just saying. Uh, I think that installation. Was He's like, I used it for months, two. Actually, really? Yeah, because back then I actually just didn't distro hop. Uh, after FreeBSD, I stuck on Debian up until like uh, two years ago. I used Debian stable. Oh, well, that's because you you got it installed and probably realized that if you uninstalled it, you'd never be able to find the ISO again. <laughs> <laughs> probably. <laughs> All right. Uh, Steve, uh, finish this out, please, with your last All link. All right. My last link is uh, a bit of news about a brand new distro called BlendOS. Will it blend? We'll see. Uh, from the maintainer of Ubuntu Unity. Uh, that yeah. kid, that kid uh, created an Arch-based <laughs> distro which uh, blends, which, which allows you to install Arch Linux uh, packages, AUR packages, uh, DNF, uh, uh, Debian packages. To interject for a moment here, he's cheating. Yes. He's using DistroBox, isn't he? Yeah, it, it's, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll ex- it's part of the <laughs> it's part of what I was going to say because the article doesn't mention mention that, but I posted uh, also a link uh, to a does. video. Yeah, it does. It does. Third paragraph down. Right oh, uh, which are included in, as containers links. using DistroBox Podman. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that I know, but I'm not talking about that. I also included a link by uh, Nicolo uh, that talks about all that. But anyway. Uh, was Basically, that his video this morning about him about somebody not giving credit? Was that this thing? Uh, yeah. yeah. The big yeah. the the big complaint about it is that uh, you know he's using all these other package managers, but he's not saying that you know he's pulling in the package manager from uh, Ubuntu or Debian or like he's not giving any credits as to like where all the upstream code for for the software that he's using is from. Yeah. He uh, replaced, even, he, so you're telling me that there's a kid who forgot to do yeah, some stuff. Yeah, a 13 year old yes. kid forgot to, forgot to give credit where credit was due. Yeah. yeah. He says oh. he forgot, but how can you forget by replacing, not forgetting, what happened was he replaced every mention of the actual creator of the uh, multi-package uh, thing, the... Uh, the distro box? So not basically, the distro box. what we're the, saying the is that he didn't do regex quite right. <laughs> he, yeah. That was just a search and replace that he just missed. Yeah, he, he, just, he says... I mistakenly did not uh, replace your uh, your name with mine. Thirteen uh, years old. Thirteen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was say, saying I think we could give him a pass. I don't think he had any malicious intent. Um, yeah. Of course. Also, we, if he's using if he's using apt, I'm pretty sure most people are going to look at that and like, oh, I'm pretty sure this guy didn't do that. I know where apt comes from. Uh, yeah, we're not talking about apt. The blend engine that he's using that uh, that can uh, install all these together in one, in a single command uh, this thing comes from a, a different origin and, and Nicolo goes in detail in his video about what it is it's a fork of a fork of a fork but the, uh, all credit is removed as it goes down the line by 
fork by fork, the, the, the credit is not there. So uh, it's, a, it's a big mess right now because uh, Vanilla OS, if you, guys, if you guys remember, is uh, another distro where you, are, uh, you can, immutable distro where you can install multiple uh, package managers uh, using uh, multiple uh, package managers. Uh, but I, I didn't it, know you, you could do uh, multiple package managers. I know you can do a uh, flat pack, snap, app image. It, it uh, has DistroBox installed. That's the reason why you can do it. Th this one has DistroBox yeah. uh, included, but vanilla OS, I don't think so. And Crystal Linux, the the original, uh, the originators of that system, Crystal Linux, uh, also lost credit. they not credited. So this whole my version of vanilla OS has DistroBox installed on it. It's on my laptop. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the uh, the thing uh, that really is getting really big right now in the in the Linux verse is that no credit is be, uh, being given to uh, to the right people. Everybody is forking and calling it their own. Uh, and all the all it is is a fork and a slight uh, configuration on the side, but. Yeah. Well, if the way you tell the story is correct, if it's a fork of a fork of a fork and somewhere along the line the credit was removed, blaming it all on this 13-year-old kid sounds a little bit much. Because it sounds like it happened No, before. we're not blaming it. We're not blaming it. Well, it's, no, no, it's, not you, but the the, the video – now, granted, I didn't watch the video. All I saw was the thumbnail, so I'm judging by the thumbnail. But, I mean, it made it seem like it was blaming this distro. No, uh, Nicolo uh, goes to say that the kid is doing a, a great job, but he needs to learn how to uh, continue crediting the, the the right people. It's not dissing the boy; uh, it's just pointing out his mistakes, and he needs to correct them. Pointing out, let's just point this out: pointing out his mistakes publicly <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> Yeah, that's like pointing well, out I mean, somebody's mistake in front of the auditorium well, in front of high school. Like, hey, you're I'm I, just pointing out the mistake in front of all of your peers. It's perfectly fine. I think fun. in that video, he actually had the developer from with, from BlendOS with him with him in it. And no, I don't know. He was pointing out that he interviewed the previously the the developer of Blend. Oh, yeah, it was a previous models. interview, and, you know, he probably had at least had a discussion with, with, with uh, I think his name is uh, Rudra or something like that, and, uh, you know, he, he had a chat, so it was just like, at least uh, the developer knew ahead of time. Yeah, because Vanilla OS uh, is doing their own version of what Crystal OS did. So it's all, they all are doing the same, uh, they have the same idea, the same goal, uh, the same end goal. Uh, and it's interesting. They're all immutable as well. You got immutable Arch, immutable Debian, immutable uh, Fedora. What else <laughs> coming down the pipe? OpenSUSE, uh, Ubuntu. Yeah. I think it's interesting that it's using the same installer from Crystal Linux, which is actually just a GNOME installer. Yeah, it's no. I like that installer actually. I yeah. wish I wish we could uh, I could learn how to to use it. Maybe I'll switch from Calamaris. Finally, because Calamari. Yeah, it would be nice if you know Dome, Gnome actually documented how to use their stuff. Yeah, because Calamari's and encrypted drives is really a nightmare. Um, but yeah, this is an interesting, another interesting distro to to join the uh, multiple package managers kind of dis immutable distros. 
and it's done by a 13-year-old. So, yeah. Uh, Even so, when that kid turns, like, 30, he's still going to be 13 years old. I'm pretty sure... I remember when he first made the website for the Ubuntu Unity Edition. There was all the wonderful CSS, uh, hey, I figured out I could do this, so I'm going to put this on my website. Tricks yeah, with the, yeah, you know, the, yeah. the dynamic uh, images where, like, they would rotate, flip, and... And then have like all the sparkle effects and all so, that. So when he made the Ubuntu web thing, I didn't know who made it. I had no clue it was a kid. I downloaded that thing and it was garbage. So I trashed that thing like crazy. It was, and then after I published, like, oh my god, this kid's like nine years old or something at the time. It was, I was so embarrassed. Um, I didn't apologize because I just had my head, my head in shame. All right, moving on to the apps of the week. I hear beeping. Um, anyways. Yeah, that's me. Uh, it's my UPS. The, you're lucky. The, the government electricity just came, so I don't have to turn off anything. Oh. <laughs> nice. Okay. Uh, moving on to the last section of the show where we call it creatively thingies of the week. We could have called this thing many different things. App of the week, pick of the week, tricks of the week. Um, but those were all taken, trademarked, and used. So we came up with thingies of the week, and it's not what you think it is. Get your mind out of the gutter. Uh, these are just things that we found interesting and would like to share. So I'm going to go first, and I'm going to come up with some proprietary garbage for once. I normally go to open source stuff, but what can I say? This one, this is an app for Android. If you have a Wear OS watch and you want to use it with any, uh, with some really awesome watch faces, Facer is fantastic. It comes with... I don't know, hundreds, maybe thousands of watch faces. Now, I will say that m the majority of them are premium, so you have to pay for them or subscribe to their service. Uh, but there are some free ones on there, so if you want to get get in there and get some of the free ones, you can. And uh, they're, a lot of them are really good. Now, they're not as customizable as individual watch faces you can get like from Google Play or that are built in like on the Samsung watches because a lot of those you can change the complications and the colors and stuff like that. Uh, through Facer, a lot of the stuff that you can change is mostly just the colors and not even always then. But uh, it, the, the sheer number of watch faces that you have selection from, especially if you pay them their whatever their yearly fee is to get access to it. It's just astonishingly how, how many different watch faces you can choose from digital, analog, big, little, however you want, combination ones, hybrid ones, you know, oh, holiday ones, things like that. It's like, it's, it's an incredible number of things. Cause it's an open, it's not an open community, but it's like, like a community that has gone together and put their watch faces in this application using their tools and you can get access to all of them. And uh, it, they work really really well so yeah that's it is, an, it is an awesome app but i'll have you know i used to have one of my watch faces that i created on there which i deleted a long time Did you? ago but uh, i used to have a uh what's it called uh what's it called uh a huawei watch huawei watch the black one with the metal strap it was huawei watch 2 or yeah. something was really safe uh, I created my own watch face and I put it on there because this thing, as Matt said, is awesome. You can create your own watch faces. They got a watch face designer when you subscribe mm -hmm. to the premium, to the premium version. You can create and share and you can monetize your own watch faces. Set it, set them as premium and sell them uh, for, and they're cheap. The, uh, before, before it became a subscription, 
it used to be uh, you charge per watch face. Yeah, you can still now, do that. It costs like a dollar ninety nine or something like that for watch face yeah. or whatever. Um, I will say that if you subscribe to their their premium version, it is pricey. So it's fifteen dollars a year for the first year, and then after that is like thirty. So it, yeah. it is pricey. But and I don't know if I'll pay for that second year because it like it says pretty pricey but that 15 bucks for a year with this number of watch faces i bought a whole bunch when i first got my watch i bought a whole bunch of watch faces from google play and each one of those cost like 249 so i definitely paid more than the 15 dollars a year that i paid for facer and like i said it's just really really good okay uh anyways tyler your thingy of the week I hope this goes without saying, but it's Hyperland. <laughs> it's super freaking nice. And you should definitely check it out. Um, yeah, it's great. Uh, simp unless for whatever simp reason, hard. Simp and hard this boy. Yes. I like it. It's really, it's really, really good. I really like it. I had it installed. So. I played with it for a little while. Couldn't you not get OBS to work? Ah, uh, that's probably because you were not uh, having the Paul kit agent. Uh, agent exec one um, or exec once in your config. Like you need to have, you, you need to launch up the Paul kit um, or well, OBS would Paul launch and it would do you. everything except for a screen capture. Ex yeah. If your screen capture is not working, then you're not, you, your Paul kit agent is not okay. running because you're, you need that because it'll give you a pop up. Like when you try to record your screen and it'll let you select uh, a screen. And if you, if that doesn't pop up, then that's, that's it. It's either your Paul kit agent or um, you're running the prop, the improper XDG desktop portal or whatever, but that's part of their, well, like, I'm no longer a window manager user. user, so I can't use it right now. I'm an XFC user and it is awesome. XFC is so good. We, we don't need any other desktop environments. XFC could just be the thing for the rest of the, the rest of time. It's so good. It's, it will endure anything we throw at it it's so good anyways uh, sorry sorry to hijack your tip there <laughs> there there tyler um yeah anyways high hyperland i'm sure is very good uh josh your thingy of the week um uh, my application of the week is actually pretty pretty universal because it's not intended to be like an actual app that you use daily on your computer uh instead it's actually a server server software yet again because you know uh, last week i did cock but today i'm using another project that you can actually get to my website right now and use uh, it's a project called Planar Ally, which is a virtual tabletop program that is GPL licensed and universally works for any of your game systems. Uh, when I'm talking about game systems, I'm talking about tabletop gaming systems. So stuff like chess, checkers. Uh, I use it for my uh, Dungeons & Dragons campaigns, uh, which, you know, uh, it's actually pretty well particularly suited for. And, and uh, you know, it's an amazing project overall, and you can actually go to to a planarally.tenleyj.com right now, and you can actually go to it. And uh, that server's not running Gen 2. It's currently running Debian. <laughs> I do like how you added in the show notes, notably not running Gen 2. <laughs> Surprisingly, right? Okay. Uh, Steve, your thingy of the week. My thingy of the week is something that I just discovered recently. Uh, it's called SimpleXChat, uh, which... I built and I have on my own repositories uh, for any zero Linux users out there. Uh, but it's a chat client uh, thing that allows you to chat from the terminal. And it's end-to-end -end encrypted, decentralized, and you can create your own room 
you can just chat and uh, be secure with all your chats. Uh, it's an amazing little app that uh, I'm using uh, between me and one of my developers for the upcoming Zero Hello tool, which will no longer be a fork of the Manjaro one. Uh, but yeah, it's super private. It's super easy to use and set up. And what I love about it is <laughs> it's fun to chat in terminal. I never done that before and uh, it's super fun. Uh, and best part is it's secure. Nobody can read because all the messages are deleted on server side hmm. all the time. Well, not even that. Like I, I really like the idea of not having like you don't have user IDs at all. Yeah, like, you don't have user IDs. That's, it's that's uh, your computer. It's nice. whatever is on your computer, basically. What your computer name, basically. <laughs> like if you use it in Zero Linux, your name is going to be Zero Linux. Because that's the host name. Of oh, so it just takes like the system system name. Yeah, host name. Yeah, host by default, unless you set your own name. But you you can set it and it will get deleted. Because I noticed when you chat from uh, terminal on your desktop, and you have the application. There's an there's a Android and iOS app also. So. Uh, if you chat from your desktop, it's going to show as a different ID when, than when you chat on your uh, on your phone, because it's gotcha. two different things. Uh, it's your machine ID disguised as your user ID. Hmm. Okay. It's very interesting. I like that's it. Fascinating. And, yeah, it's it's a little a neat little tool, and uh, it's uh, I recommend it to a lot of people who want to discuss projects away from Google and Apple and. Discord and all that. If they want to do it in a private manner, do use simple X chat. Uh, at first, I, uh, when I discovered it, I read it simple, simple sex chat. But okay. <laughs> I wonder if using. I wonder what protocol they're using for for the chat. Like, are they using XMPP with a self with self with a self authorized authentication or something like that? That's a good question. Yeah, it's something I'm gonna to have to look into a little bit here, but uh, it 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 does seem like it's a pretty interesting use case, especially for like a project like uh, Zero Linux. You can you can like host it on like a simple website where like a user that like needs that support ticket, but you know they don't want to figure out like how to make an IRC client. They don't have they don't want to log into Discord or anything like that. They can just go to a URL, post in their question, you know, just sit idle for a little bit, and somebody eventually comes back and responds with a fix. Yeah. It says here to deliver messages instead of user IDs used by all other platforms. Simple Simple X uses temporary anonymous airwise identifiers of message message queues separate for each of your connections. There are no long term identifiers. You you define your, you also your seem servers to have messages use and receive the the messages your contacts the servers you use. To send the messages to them. Every conversation is likely to use a different server. It, it's a hopping thing. It keeps hopping. Yeah. Uh, so it's really, really private. That's amazing. I and it's so simple to use. Just use your terminal. Install the client and run simple X chat, and uh, you're up to the races. Up to the races. Josh, that yeah, alt right no. click tick tip that you just put in the chat, life changer. Thank you for that. You're welcome. I didn't know that. Uh, and you know the project has. Does seem like it's got it's at like the beginning stages of showing some longevity to it because I can seeing here some commits as old as six months right on the front page of their GitHub, which 
you know, this being an open source project, you can look at GitHub and you can basically see the history of a project like this. Yeah, and uh, last week they had they had a commit. So and of awesome. course, 171 issues, so you know that people are at least trying to use it. Yeah. No. All right. GitHub, there's only only nine issues open. I see 171 issues with nine pull requests. Oh, weird. I see nine, but okay. It's yeah, it's well, good. I mean, it doesn't really matter. That just shows that there are people using yeah. it. Which is good. All right, fellas, that's it for this episode. We did a good job, I think. Nothing went horribly wrong, at least once we started recording, which is, you know, always the goal. Uh, anyways, so uh, that's it for this uh, time. We record this live every Saturday, I guess now. Today is Saturday. Every Saturday at 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, you'll have to do the math if you're in another time zone. I'm much too lazy to do that. Uh, anyways, you can find all of that stuff if you want to watch us live at youtube.com slash the Linuxcast. You can support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash Linuxcast, just like all of these fine people. Thanks to everybody who does support me on Patreon and YouTube. You guys are all absolutely amazing. Without you, the channel just would not be anywhere near where it is right now. So thank you so very much for your support. I truly do appreciate it. Uh, again, if you well, watch us live, we do put timestamps in afterwards so if you want to go back or if you're coming in later you can find those those usually show up around 8 o'clock p.m eastern time or so uh and uh you can then jump around and you know just read their i uh, watch the topics that you want to watch so anyways we'll see you guys next week adios i don't have a patreon <laughs> yet yet